0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. You guys could be seated. It's good to know that God will never fail. He is a perfect God and, and uh, an amazing God. Um, you know, it's hard to to get up here and, and look at people's faces and not have a glimmer of, of fear and, and, and fright and, and nervousness. But I remember a long time ago, Pastor had asked me to take up offering, and I was like, Oh, oh no. And it, even though offering could be just a little three-minute exhortation about what God's done for you and, 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 and just share a little bit about you know what He's done in your life, it was the hardest thing for me. But I could tell you right now, I am overwhelmed with peace right now I am not nervous amen amen let's get full of hand. I am not shy and um it, that song right there says it it says it all his love will never fail and it never gives up. How many times can you look at a person and you've known that you've given up on him time and time again you know I know I know that I've given up on my wife a lot of times as far as uh, being uh, um, the words that I use towards her, this is jesse b c we 're talking you know Jesse before Christ you know um I, I i was I was probably the greatest sinner in the world, you know, and i was I was probably the 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 perfect sinner out there if there's such a thing you know, but as many times as, as god forgiven us, she 's probably forgiven me more than that you know and, and it 's good to know that I have a great wife by my side and she did a wonderful job this morning. She did amazing. She did amazing, you know. And um, I'm, I'm not to take anything away from her or anything like that, but you know, God used her as a vessel. You know that might not, that might have been what she said, her words, her 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 uh, exhortation, her heart, or whatever. But God used her as a vessel, you know, and He used her to speak what what he wanted you guys to hear you know so that's exactly what I'm trying to do tonight is um when I took out when I uh gave a little uh a meeting for the men's meeting I talked about love and the importance of love and how to walk in love and you know, read a bunch of scripture uh, scriptures about what love means to God and how to kind of decipher the two. What's God kind of love and what's the human kind of love, you know? So I'm going to kind of piggyback on that and um not speak about love, but the title of my message tonight is There's Power in Your Words. And I'm going to open up in prayer. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you that I am your vessel. We thank you that Everything that I'm gonna to say tonight, Father God, is something that you wanna tell the people. I'm just a mere man that's gonna deliver it, Father God, with such a graceful voice. <laughs> Uh, we thank you and we love you, Lord, and, and we thank you that you're always gonna be with us no matter where we go, and, and, and I ask the Holy Spirit to be welcomed in here, to be able to help me, uh, uh get over any of the ums and o's and oops and, 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 flaws I do, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that, that everything I say is because of you, Lord, and, and, and I, 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 uh, I ask that you just guide this service, Father God, and I ask that everybody gets, has an open heart, uh, and, and uh, just be patient with me, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, into looking a a little bit, when Pastor asked me last week to uh, to to bring forth the word, um, instantly my flesh wanted to say no. You know, Uh, it it wanted to 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 run away and be scared and be fearful. You know, and uh, it's it's great to know that we have an awesome pastor that gives the word and he invites us in his home as we are. If you if you look around right here today, there's so many different ethnicities in here right now. There's Mexicans, we got Caucasians. I'm pretty sure you got a little black in you, brother. You got a little Afro right there. Yeah yeah. I'm talking about you Sizzle, you know. And I, I could rock a fro too, you know, but it's good to know that we all could come together and glorify and shout the same Lord, you know? So let's give a hand, let's give a hand real quick. So, um, I'm going to talk about our our words. You know, I, have been under pastor for, for a long time, almost nine years. And, um, I've seen the lifestyle change that, that, that I've done with being under him, you know, um, like my wife said this morning, I didn't I didn't know God uh before any of this. I didn't know um that church had an importance. I, the only thing I knew about churches we went to churches for funerals. You know. Uh that's all I knew. That's the only time that my parents ever took me to a church is when there was a funeral. You know, um, that's sad to say, but I have uh pictures of me as a child. I grew up in Pomona, you know, a little rough little area out there, Pomona, California, and I have little Polaroid pictures of of us uh, as children, holding guns and knives and, and stuff like that. And right on the bottom right there, in big old words, it says, the barrio's next generation. You know, and that's what I grew up in. That's the kind of uh, influence I had in my life. I've had men in my life influence fear, uh, uh, hatred, um, strife. You look at a person wrong in that neighborhood, you're not going to look at that person wrong again. You know, and uh, that's that's the kind of influence I have, and that's the kind of influence as a child that I thought I wanted. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be a bad dude. I'm gonna be my, like, my, like my uncle Roscoe, that walks around all day not caring, you know, and just pop off anytime someone. I'm gonna have to watch my ebonics here. Pop off means uh, um, if someone looks at you wrong, you wanna just I wanna say take flight. Okay, I gotta break that down. Uh, when someone looks at you wrong, you wanna get in a fist fight. Confrontation with them, you know so I have to deep, I have to dip into my uh, my home depot professionalism here you know so um, it's kind of, it, and that 's what I grew up in you know that 's the, that's the kind of in, uh, influence that I had in my life when I was a kid, all the way until man, all the way until I met Desiree, actually, no joke, I was nineteen years old, and uh, that 's the kind of influence that i 've always had in my life. Uh, Trying to be the strong one, being the dominant one and, and, and knowing, uh, who's the head honcho over there. You know, no matter what, in any gang that you're in, you want to try to be a leader. But in all reality, you and nobody's leader, you're a follower. You are a follower. You know, so you're tagging up neighborhoods on the walls and defacing company property because you think it's cool. Now all of the stuff that they scrape in, you can't even read. You know, they call that tagging, and they call that representing and stuff. And um, back then, words were powerful. You know, uh, we have a a a, a lot of a lot of sayings as gangsters and former gangsters, uh, like the word "chavala" and "leva." You know, and and, uh, those were like words that was going to get you beat down. I, I hope I can say that in church. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not fluent in Spanish. I don't know if that's a cuss word in Spanish. I'm good. Okay, so that's like, so I, I see Jesse back there like, I don't know. And then my wife's saying, you can't see them You know, I got Henry's confirmation saying that it's okay. So we're good. We're good. He's a little fluent. It's a Barstonian fluent, but so I don't know. You know, so I guess it just, wherever you are, you know. So um, words were powerful then. You know, no matter what words you use, it could be for good and it could be for bad you know words can can destroy and words could create you know so um opening up here i wanna i want um i wanted to understand what god's word was, and i wanted to understand what um kind of godly words that 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 you could use nowadays to imple- to implement it in your life but instead of um instead of the old jesse b c uh being under pastor, uh I, I know a lot of uh a lot of times when we are when we're hurting or, or we feel um defeated. Say for instance you're walking around at work and you're real hot, you know, you're like, Oh I'm I'm feeling sick. You know, well those are words. You're confessing that into your life. I'm feeling sick. You know, I'm sick. My diabetes are acting up. I have cancer. I, you know, I'm a loser. You know, I'm a, I'm a quitter. You know, all those are words. And it says in here, and I'm going to show it, that words are absolutely powerful. You know, so I'm going to open up a little bit in here and I want everybody to t- turn to the very first verse in the Bible. Let's go to Genesis. And I, Heather, Heather called it out today. She was like, "I don't know, just just go out and say everybody just read in Genesis, you know, re, re, you know." So, and, and oddly enough, that was confirmation for me that you know the Holy Spirit was talking. So we're gonna we're gonna look at Genesis here, and I'm gonna tell a little story uh, after that. But um, like I said, some people can use words for good, and and some people can use words to to build up. We need to make sure that what we words, what words we're using is always for good. You know, so we're going to open up with Genesis chapter 1, and it reads this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So think about that. Before the Earth was created, it was just darkness, and there was no light it was just darkness and and and, and uh, God wasn't alone. It says in here that there was you know angels around him and in um there was just darkness everywhere, so it said in verse it says in verse three, then God said, "Let there be light, and what does it say after that and there was light, so he didn't have to pray for it he didn't have to uh, this was obviously before uh, uh, any worldly acts was involved. This was how God, how it was with God. He said, let there be light, and there was light. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There was light. light. Light came. It goes on in the saying on 4, it says, and God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness, and God, and God called the light day and the darkness night. And the evening passed and the morning came, making that the first day. Verse 6 goes on in the reading saying, Then God God said, Let there be the space between the waters that separate the waters and the heavens from the waters and the earth. And And that is exactly what happened. God made the space to separate the waters and the earth from the waters of the heaven, and God called this sky. And the evening passed and the morning came, making that the second day. Verse 9 says, Then God said, The waters beneath the sky flow together in one place, so the ground may appear. And that, and that is what happened. So in all this right here, you're looking and you're like, Man, you know, a lot of things are going on right now. This might just be a couple of verses into the Bible, but He's creating the earth. He created the earth and created the waters and created the uh, the sky and created the day the created the night. All with what? words. So words are powerful. And and, and, and if you read Genesis, it goes on in the saying, he creates the land and vegetation, animals, and makes us the ruler over the animals and stuff. But you can read all that by yourself. But I have a little story right here. I'm going to read this story. It says, bear with me. I have a bunch of kids at home. Yes, you are a child too, Sarah. Sorry. Uh, I have a bunch of kids at home and a lot of the kids like to hear stories. Um, my wife's a, a children's church worker and a nursery director. So all I hear is stories, you know, so, um, I'm going to say a little story right here. Um, and I got, I got this from our good friend, Google. So I don't know if it's true or not. It may not be true. You know, so it says a group of, a group of frogs. Yes, Jojo, it says frogs. A group of frogs were traveling through the woods and two of them fell into a deep, deep pit. When the other frogs saw how deep the pit was, they told the two frogs that they were as good as dead. The two frogs ignored the comment at first and tried to jump out of the pit with all their might. The other frogs kept telling them, no, give up, give up. They were as good as dead. Finally, one of the frogs took heed to what the other frogs were saying and gave up. He fell down and died. Yeah, I'm sorry, son. One of the frogs did die. Um, the other frog continued to jump as hard as he could. Once again, once again, over and over, he jumped as hard as he could. The crowd of frogs yelled at him and said, stop, stop the pain and just die. He jumped over. He, he jumped even harder and harder. And finally, he made it out. When he got out, the other frog said, didn't you hear what we were saying? Didn't you hear us? The frog explained to them that he had mud in his ears and he couldn't hear them. He thought that they were encouraging him the whole time. The story, uh, this story, is a reminder that our words have immense power. That we have the we have the power to encourage and to discourage. So obviously, it's, he, they discouraged the one frog. And what happened to that one frog? He, he died. Well, thank God that that frog had a little dirt in his ear, and he couldn't hear. And he thought that their expressions were saying, "Go, buddy, go." You leap out of here you know so how important um and it says right here how we interpret them also gives them power so how we interpret our the words also gives us power it gives the word power we can respond to words that we could re, we can respond to words of discouragement and just give up or we can listen to those who cheer us on and achieve greater things that we could ever possibly imagine so I'm going to ask you guys today: Which words are you going to use to others? Which words are you going to hear? Which words are you going to choose to to use as encouragement? And how are we going to interpret the message that that is brought to us? So the first point I want to make is uh, words can create. So um. um we looked in Genesis and it shows that the God, that the Lord created uh, the heaven and the earth and created everything by just speaking it out, by just saying, appear, and, and it appear. So if God has that type of power, how much do you feel that you have that power? It, say, it says in the word that we have the same power that they had back then when God walked on this earth. We have the same belief and the same strength that God walked that Jesus walked on this earth with. So when we talk and we yell and we hurt and we confess, being under pastor, it was a lifestyle change for me. I started to be careful with the words I used. I started to be careful with the words I confessed over my kids and my son and my daughter. Uh, I started to be careful with how I presented myself because all my life I thought, I was this greatest thing until I thought, until I realized that it was not great. I was using the words for harm. I was doing what John ten ten says. I was the one still killing and destroying. I was killing people's compassion and killing people's love. And every time someone, you know, walked on the street and looked at me wrong, I wasn't killing them with kindness. You know, I was killing them with words. I might not have uh, aggressively assaulted them sometimes, Um, but, you know, that was all before God. Being under God's covenant, we are a new creature in Christ. We are a new person. We live under a new covenant, you know, so we're supposed to love on each other. We're supposed to walk in love and and, and say good words and, and lift somebody up, not tear them down. Miss Pastor does a great job illustrating the importance of how you talk to a child. You know, she's the one that writes all of our children's church lessons. And she uh had a slew of kids, she calls it. She had a slew of kids of herself and probably ten times in grandkids now. But um, she does a great job on building the child up. The, the, the words that we heard as a kid was, you're a brat. Uh How come you don't listen? You never listen. You know, and... You know, believe me, Miss Pastor is like a mom to us, so she disciplined us like a mom would. And every time we said stuff like that, she's like, "Oh no, no, no! I don't think so. Those kids are in our church. You won't talk to your kids. They're our kids. We were talking to our kids like that. We weren't just to clarify that we weren't talking to, to 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 random people's children. But I never understood what she meant by we're confessing those words over them. You know, why are you a brat? Why why are you why don't you ever listen? Well they get that in their head. As a child, all they hear is words like that. You know, they and we choose to uh raise our kids up and with with what type of words we speak. Believe it or not, man, these kids are sponges and everybody that has kids know that they're sponges. You say something and they're gonna go to someone's friend's house and be like, My daddy daddy, blah 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 hoo blah you know. And they're going to repeat everything that you say, and, and they're going to—they're not going to know what it means. They're, you know, they're, they could be three, four, five years old, and they could be telling your dirty laundry to other people, and they have no idea. But adults do. So, as adults, we need to make sure that what words we're using, whether it be to kids, to friends, to coworkers, we need to make sure the words that we're using is to build somebody up. I always thought sayings, uh, like little, uh, um, cliches and, and stuff like that and, you know, do whatever. Anyways, there's a lot of stuff that's a little weird out there that, that I thought was just kind of gibberish, but it, it all means something. You know, it, it's, it's probably the one most important thing is, is words. You know, so, um, I also want to say, uh, and I'll say my second point. Uh, words can destroy. So let's turn over to Proverbs. And we're, we're going to look at ver, uh, chapter 12. We're going to show you a little bit about what words can do and what words can mean in the, in, in the Bible. Well, What better place to find out what word means it, is than in the word, you know? So we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 6. So it says, the words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly saves lives. So by looking into that, words of the wicked are like murderous ambush. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have wicked words that's going to be a murdering ambush. You know, I want to say what it says right here in the second part, but the words of the godly saves lives. That's our whole reason as being christians is to bring as many as we can to the glory of god so we could spend all eternity with dylan's neoprene shorts you know so we could spend all eternity with it but all i know is when i die the first thing i'm looking forward to is the glorious body it says that we are going to receive a glorious body so i'm waiting for that glorious body you know i'm waiting for that maybe this is a glorious body you know, maybe everybody's going to have body that's just like this. Who says a six pack's glorious? Who says who says biceps is glorious? Maybe this is a glorious body. You know, so I can't wait for that. I just had a revelation. You all going to have a body like me? You know, so I'm sorry, but not sorry. So um, let's uh, let's uh, go in. Stay in the same chapter. We're going to go to verse 13, and it says, "The wicked are trapped by their own words." But the godly escapes such trouble. So, the wicked are trapped by their own words. So the words that you speak and confess, the words, they're gonna trap you. You're gonna be trapped by those words. You're gonna be trapped by unforgiveness. You're gonna be trapped by hatred. You're gonna be trapped by sorrow and fear and discouragement. But then it says right here, but the godly escapes such trouble. So I'm going to continue reading. Wise words bring many benefits, and hard work brings rewards. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. That right there is the hardest thing for me to do, Jesse B.C., was stay calm when I was insulted. And even when someone insults your family or insults your kids... To this day, my flesh wants to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think so. No, 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 no. You want to just chin check in the forearm real quick. But it says right there, it says, it says, but a wise person listens to others. But a wise person stays calm when insulted. So instead of wanting to jump right away off of your flesh, instead of allowing the devil to put that quick thought in your head, Take a minute, step back, and say, you know what, let me decipher this. Is this God or is this the devil? Is this God or is this the devil? So uh, an honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words, say it with me, but the words of the wise brings healing. I don't know about you, man, but I know I have healing powers in my hands. I know that I could lay hands on somebody and they will recover. I know, I know it without a doubt in my mind that it was done back then. We have the power to do that now. So when you're walking around at work and 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 someone saying that they're sick, and, and Monica did a great job with it and exhorted this earlier uh, when she was uh, giving her testimony that this person thanked them and said thank you. You know. Be bold. Be that person to stop real quick. And it's only going to be a short little prayer. You're not right there holding a little ministry meeting in front of the lumberyard or in front of Chili's or in front of Popeye's or Renzenberger. You know, you're, you're just doing a quick little prayer and, and praying healing over this person. It may be a quick little prayer to you, but the, the person you're praying for is getting healed. The person you're praying for is going to say, this is my testimony. The person you're praying for is gonna come up here Sunday night and say, this is what, uh, so-and-so did for me. This is what Irma did for me in the break room. This is the, this is the, the, the uh, the prayer that Jojo did for me in class. You know, don't, don't be scared. Don't be fearful. Be bold, man. Be bold. And like Desiree said, shout. You know, shout for them. Yeah, we go to concerts and we go to shows and stuff like that, and we're shouting and cheering. Well, let's do the same thing for the Lord. Let's shout and cheer because she said we've been delivered out of a lot of stuff. You know, I used to be, uh, man. Um, I need to take a drink of water real quick because this is going to take a minute here. Jesse BC, man. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a short little story. It may take eighteen years to tell you, but. Um man before Desert I used to be addicted to weed. Weed was my gateway to getting drunk. Was my getting drunk was my gateway to using acid, to using shrooms. Anything to 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 get away from how my life was at home. I thought the gangster friends that I had was my family. At home as a child, um probably from the time I can remember from like 5 years old till about 13 or 14 when I when I started doing my own thing um all I seen was drugs man all I seen was 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 hatred you know and um it's kind of a touchy subject right now cuz I got my little sister here with me but um my mom is still trapped right now you know she's still out there Using drugs and, and, and fighting and, and homeless on the street. Well, when I was five, six years old, I used to be in front of the bathroom door, man, knocking on the bathroom door to see if my mom was still alive. You know, my mom has been a heroin addict for a long time and she's, um, uh, um, has struggled with that my whole life, you know, and whatever stronghold that that had on her, I got too, you know, and, uh, my grandpa was a drug addict. My grandma was a drug addict. they have been on methadone for, man, their whole life. And I remember sitting in front of the door, knocking at the door every single 10 minutes. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Just to make sure that she says something to know. I mean, I know what she was doing in there, you know, but I wanted to make sure she was alive and okay. You know, um, when I was 12 years old, uh, my grandpa Jack... Uh, overdosed on heroin, and um, I, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I, I busted down that door, and, and I was like, "I don't know. Maybe Baywatch was was live back then. I see people give CPR or whatever." But you know, I started administering CPR. I don't know if I was doing it right. I didn't know I was 12 years old. This isn't something that you should experience as a 12 years old. You should be a child and out getting dirty and getting warts on your hand or something. You know, playing with frogs that had a little dirt in their ear, you know. So um, I started administering CPR and breathing him and pumping his chest. And the ambulance came and uh, they did what they did. And they, they kind of like pulled me off. And, uh, and then they looked at me and they were saying, you know what, man, you, I don't know if they were just trying to, as a kid, they were trying to make me feel good. But they said, by you doing that, you were putting lungs in his, air in his lungs. And you were keeping him breathing, you know, so I don't know if that's true or whatever. That's what the paramedics said, paramedic said to me. But I witnessed that stuff. You know, I witnessed drug abuse and, and violence and stuff. And uh, I didn't know how to respond to it. so the first thing I did as soon as I was old enough is started using drugs myself. I graduated from acid and all that, started use, smoking crack. I started smoking crack, started using coke. Never, not once did I ever touch the needle, though. I never touched a needle. I've been so scared of the doctors and probably my subconscious telling me that if you would have done that, you wouldn't be here today, you know. So I was always scared of, of one never wanting to do that. Maybe that was just my my brain telling me, oh, you could just do whatever other drugs you want to do. Just, just don't try heroin. Maybe that's how I was justifying my drug use. But I did. I smoked crack for a long time. And, and when I got married, uh, you know, I brought that into my marriage. I brought, I brought that into our lives and into the family, you know, and I allowed that drug abuse, um, to graduate me to using meth and that's where it was all bad right there. I started using meth and, you know, uh, I didn't want to do it by myself. So I, you know, encouraged my wife to tag along and had her start doing it. But that caused us to get homeless on the street with our two kids, you know, and, um, it, it, it's hurt, it's hurtful to say that as a man right now that I've done that to my family. Uh, every first I used to steal the little welfare card that we should get and spend all the money on myself. Not caring what I was doing. Well that's what the, the devil would do to you. He will make your eyes blinded to make you feel like that's what you need to do right now because that's the right thing to do. Well I was blinded. I had a lot of people say, you know, you need to go to classes, you need to go to NA, you need to go to AA, and the 12 steps. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I didn't take no 12 steps. I took that one step, that one step to Jesus. I took that one step to Jesus. And i tell you right now, it was the best thing for me. It was the best thing for me. I've been serving God for almost nine years now, and it's the best thing in my life. I have never, never, not once picked up any cigarettes, picked up any alcohol, picked up any drugs, weed, anything, because I wanted to be the one that broke that cycle in my family. I wanted to be the one that my kids looked up to. I didn't want to have my kids on the other side of that bathroom door. I wanted to break that chain. I wanted to break that stronghold. And I did it through that one step of Jesus. You don't need to go to meetings. You don't need to go through, to, to classes and, and be around, oh, I'm, my name is Jesse and I'm an addict. Absolutely. I am not an addict. I am delivered and I am a conqueror and I am a believer. So I tell you guys right now, um, the hardest thing for me to do was admit things like that, but that's not me no more. You know, that's not me no more. And, um, um, I said all that to say what? I have no idea. You know, I have no idea why I said that, but obviously I was being used as a vessel because someone else needed to hear that. You know, I wasn't planning on giving my testimony. I had told, I had told uh, uh, a few people on a leadership meeting that I was going to, but that wasn't the direction I wanted to go tonight. I, I wanted everything to be happy and stars and butterflies like Katie calls it. Everything in her life is stars and butterflies, you know. Like, I don't know if you guys have have kids that watch the show Spongebob, which is the most dumbest show I could tell you, the most annoying show I could tell you, but if there was this one episode where Plankton had looked through the eyes of Spongebob, and he opened his eyes, and it was like, do-do-do-do, rainbows and butterflies, rainbows and butterflies. Well, that's how I see Katie living her life sometimes. Rainbows and butterflies, everything is so good, and, you know, I'm gonna Danny Tanner and my kids, and, you know, I'm gonna full house them, you know, but, um, I wasn't like that, man. You know, when I, when I, when I came here and I started listening to what Pastor was saying, Pastor gives a lot of great, great advice. Do you guys really apply that to your life? Do you guys really apply that to your life? Is going to church the only time that you read the Word? Is going is going to church the only time you fellowship with friends that are in the Word? Can you honestly look in the mirror and say, I do what I can for God and go to sleep knowing that I did everything I can to glorify Jesus? I know I can't. I know I can't. I can't look in the mirror every night and say, You did everything you can to glorify Jesus. Because I can look back and I'd be like, how much time did I spend on my cell phone? How much time did I spend on TV? How much time did I uh, uh, carry on conversations that wasn't godly at work? How do you talk at work? The most important part is how do you talk when nobody's around? Do you honor God when no one's around? How do you talk to yourself? I used to hate myself. I put my family through so much to where I didn't think I was worthy to even be a a man of God and and be a father. You know, I I hated myself. I looked in the mirror and be like, man, I was disgusted with a lot of stuff that I did and the the past life that I lived. But uh, through prayer with my wife and prayer with my grandma and stuff, um, they told me I was a whole lot more than that. And that I would be the one to break the cycle. She told me that you're going to break the generational curse in your family. You're going to break the generational curse in your family. And it's going to stop with you. And I believe that. I believe that in Jesus' name. So, to get off of the little bunny trail, right here, my daughter reminded me not to bunny trail because I'm going to lose everybody, she said. Yeah, my little 14-year-old daughter said, don't bunny trail. Coming from a fourteen-year-old that all they do is talk and talk and talk and talk. Oh, I told you I need better glasses. I told you I need better glasses. I can't see. I have no peripheral right here. Sorry, honey. I love you. You know. But uh, uh, let's continue in Proverbs. Uh, let, we're gonna go to Proverbs 18 this time. Proverbs 18. And we are going to read verse 6. It says, Fool's words get them into constant quarrels. Your words could get you in constant quarrels. That means the words that you say is going to keep you fighting. The words you say is going to keep you arguing. It's going to keep you hurt how uh, when you walk into a room and and i and I told this at the mids meeting well, you know as a husband and you you walk in from a hard day's work and don't get me wrong, I work in a climate controlled environment, I work at home depot where there's always air conditioner so man i I do not envy those that work on the base in the heat all the time you know and that alone could put me in a bad mood, you know, but i I would come home sometimes and and I would notice the, the, the one or two pieces of clothing on the floor or the crumbs that was there in the morning. Knowing that my wife also has a job and she hasn't even set foot in the door yet. We both left at the same time. I just happened to come home first. But I noticed that that stain on the floor. I noticed that spot on the sink or that the dirty dish still right there on the countertop. But did I notice what she did before that? Did I notice that she spent the night before cleaning the entire house and that the kids woke up at 2 in the morning and got something to drink and they just left it there. Or 2 in the morning, it gets hot in the summer, so they take out their socks. I didn't notice none of that. When you get ready for work, you're thinking about working, going, and and just go. Let's go to work. Let's split. Her eyes wasn't focused on that, but why should our eyes be focused on that? Let's focus on the 10 things that they did right. Let's focus on the ten, eleven, twelve things that were right in their house. Because I can tell you one thing, my wife's probably been so mad at me at times, but the words she chose to express it, I could not get mad at her. I had no idea to get mad at her. So she would, I would just get mad, and, and uh, she would tell me, I love you, honey. Knowing that she was so mad at me, what would you like to eat? In the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, what are you going to put in the food? you know like do I have a choice can we go out you know but um the words that you choose can keep you in constant quarrels they ask they're asking for a beating verse 7 says the mouths of fools are their own ruin they trap themselves with their lips i don't know about you but i don't want my words to be my ruins i want my words to be the opposite of ruins which is what? Build. Build up. Is that the opposite of ruins? Who knows? I'll have to ask Mailey. She's a reader. Mailey reads a lot. Um, I've seen a, I've seen a lot of times where um, people at work are just always constantly in quarrels with each other. They're always fighting. They're always arguing. There's probably like 30 cashiers that don't even like each other. And not, not one of them can stand each other. And I don't know about you, but I can't work in that environment. If I was was the manager of the cashiers, they would all be fired. Absolutely all be fired. (laughs) But um, I've ran probably maybe five, six departments at that store. uh, And the number one thing that I've always wanted to take into each department is good morale. You have to have good morale. You have to have a team that wants to work for you. You have to have a team that wants to care about the same cares that you have. So the only way I was able to build morale was choosing the right words to say, choosing delivering the right words, knowing that I would leave a list for them to do, knowing they didn't get those done, but appreciate the ones that they did get done. Okay, I told you to look at this bay and bring everything down, fit everything in the home, put it up nice and neat. They brought everything down, but did they put it nice and neat? I didn't say anything, well, you didn't put it nice and neat. I respected them for going up and down the ladder 20 times as many boxes as they were up there, packing them down. Yeah, they didn't put it nice and neat, but they did what I asked, and I appreciated them for that. But then at the same time, you delivered it to where they said, well, you know what? I didn't put it nice and neat. I let them tell themselves. They didn't put a nice, they need. So what they do, they go and fix it. The way you deliver your words can build morale, or it could tear it down. And I told it at the men's meeting, uh, and Jose kind of uh, touched on it on Wednesday, um, I have an imaginary mailbox. It may sound weird. I know that may sound a little SpongeBobby. But I have an imaginary mailbox. I have an imaginary mailbox in front of my door at work. I have an imaginary mailbox in front of my house at home. And Lawrence made a great point having the same imaginary mailbox in front of our church. So what that means is all your problems that you're having at home, all the issues with your kids, all the, the, the strives and battles that's going on at home, the issues with your, with your daughters, the issues with your sons, worrying about Everything there is to worry about. All your issues you had. As soon as, right before you walk into your door at work, put them in that imaginary mailbox. So you don't bring your problems to work. People that you work with don't deserve to hear your problems at home. They don't deserve to, to be bothered with your problems at home. They have their own problems that they're coming in with. That right there allowed me to build morale at the store. It allowed me to build morale in my department. Because I didn't bring, I mean, I might have, me and Desiree probably could have had the worst fight over socks that same morning. But I didn't take it to work. And nobody ever knew about it. We go through a lot of battles that we overcame. And nobody ever knew about it. Well, it's the same thing at home. Why should your household, your kids, your wife, your in-laws, your family, why should they, they deal with all the problems that you've had at work? Not at all, it's not their fault, yeah, you could kind of lean on them a little bit and, and talk to them about how you had what kind of day you had, but they don't deserve the the, the burden that you carried at work. same thing at the church. Lawrence did a great job on uh, exhorting himself on, on the men's meeting um, that he uh, was struggling with um, how he uh, how he applied his love walk at church. And, uh, he said, I was doing it at home, I was doing it at work, and, you know, I can tell you one thing, man, I, I, have been coming here almost nine years, and, um, I've seen this man probably battle a lot of stuff in his life. I've seen him struggle with a lot of things, with family, with, with, with marriage, with work, with, uh, just work alone. Us as, me as a man, I, I, man, I don't know, I'd probably given up the very first time I've got let go of my job. I've probably given up. Well, I've seen this man overcome so many times and never, never, not once allowed himself to be discouraged because he knew that he was a tither. And he knew that he was a giver. And then he knew that the windows of heaven will be open and that when one man closes the door, God will open another. He knew that. And um, believe it or not, Lawrence has been a big part in my walk with God. And he's been a he's been a really big part as far as enduring through times like that. You know, me and me and Lawrence probably hasn't ever seen eye to eye at times before. We, you know, um, how he views things and how I view things and how Dominic views things, how Mindy views things, it all could be totally different. But we've had our differences before in the past. But I could I could honestly look at this brother in the face and tell him I love you. You are my brother. No matter what we've had as far as in the past, we've overcame that. Because we know the greater good, which is God's love, and He was always the first one to be like, "I'm sorry," and that wasn't me, you know. So I'm like, you know, I've seen Him overcome a lot, you know, and that blessed me, you know. So I just wanted to throw it out there, brother. I love you, man. I love you. And uh, He was, He was, man. and He was saying that He was having the struggle with the love walk that He was carrying at church. He would come walking in with shades on and he'd come walking in with sunglasses. Yeah, no, no, no. I was going to get there. I was going to get there. Let me get there. Let me get there. Me get there. You know, and, and when you look at him, you're like, man, this, we're in a building, bro. Take those off. Yeah, they're sunglasses. But he needs them to see. They're prescripted. They're prescription. You know, so just because the way he looked, nobody wanted to approach him. I thought, man, this guy's a mean dude and he got some big old beard and He's not approachable. But in all reality, man, inside he has that Spongebob butterfly little scenery. You know what I mean? He has that, everything's bubbles and balloons, you know? But he was struggling with uh, the love walk at church. And let me tell you what, he endured through the, the struggle that he had at his job, taking a $5 pay cut, taking a new job and getting rehired with a $5 pay cut. And you know what this man did? This man changed everything in his life. He looked at himself in the mirror and examined himself. He examined himself, and that's the hardest thing for us to do: is point the finger back at yourself. I don't know if it was Desire or somebody, or it was probably one of the chosen church workers. When you're pointing at somebody, you're having three or four fingers pointing back at yourself. You're like, "Oh, you do." So he looked at himself in the mirror and he examined himself, and he's like, "Man, God, I'm not. What am I doing wrong?" And he examined himself, and he was able to. Pinpoint what the issue was. And you know what he did? He corrected it. He sent out a bunch of texts, and he sent the text to me, and I I don't know, I don't want, I'm sorry, brother, I know. I probably don't want to blurt it out and stuff like that, but I I received the text, and he was like, you uh, you know, I want to apologize for if I ever offended you, and it takes a real man to do that. It takes a real man to apologize. And what happened? He got his job back as a lead role. Amen? He got his money back. With the raise, with the raise? Why? Because of the love walk and how he expressed himself, what words he used. So, like I said, words could be real powerful. So I commend you, brother. You're you're an amazing man. So uh, we're going to continue reading in Proverbs 18, and then we're going to go down to uh, verse 19, and it says. An offender friend an offender an an offended friend sorry (laughs) I'm a little dyslex I see I almost confessed the wrong words. I am not a little dyslexic. I can read amazing. I don't have peripheral issues, daughter, wherever you are. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisf- satisfies like a good meal. Who all here loves a good meal? This is a glorified body. I'm telling you, you can't get this glorified if you don't have a good meal from time to time. So wise words satisfies like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to walk will reap the consequences. So, I'm sorry, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So, it tells you right there that the tongue can bring death or life. You could be going through a battle. You could be going through a sickness but how you confess over yourself is going to determine if you're going to die or not. That's strong. That is absolutely strong. I know people that overcame cancer. I know there's a lot of them here. I can tell you right now, there's a few of them here that's overcame that disease. There's a few of them here that's overcame diabetes, that's overcame pain from bullet holes. There's a lot that's overcame here in this church. Why? Why? because of the words that they confessed over their life. They knew that they were going to overcome. They seen that light at the end of the tunnel. They didn't allow themselves to confess the wrong words. Man, I got I know I got doctors bills. I know I got uh uh bills from this this cancer I'm facing, but I know that the devil is putting it on me. John 10:10 10, 10 says the thief comes to kill, still kill and destroy. The thief being the devil. God comes so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Not just to have life, so you can have an abundant life. I don't know about you, but an abundant life means to me that you don't have any worries. Not only financial. It doesn't mean financially abundant. It could be spiritually abundant. It could be scripturally abundant. It could be mealy. Is that a word? Mealy? Meal. Abundant, you know, family, children, abundant, schoolwork, abundant, have an abundant life, whatever you could have that's good in life that allow you to have an abundant life. God is responsible for that. God is responsible for that. Anything that's going to take your life away, anything that's going to steal, anything that's going to kill, anything that's going to destroy is going to be from the devil. And before, when I first got saved, it was hard for me to 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 decipher which one's which. Oh God, why are you putting this on me? God, why are you giving me? You says you can't give me more than I can handle, or why why are you allowing me to go? What are you testing me with? What what do what you why are you giving me this? Those are all the wrong words. God doesn't give you sickness. God doesn't give you disease. He doesn't give you fear. Fear is of the devil. Worries of the devil. You can either do one or two things. You could worry, or you could pray. You can't do them both. You can't do them both. It's worry or pray. Which one are you going to decide? Are you going to decide to get to be worrisome about your issues? Or are you going to pray? You're going to pray. That's what we want to do. We want to pray. That's what we learned here is to pray. Is the only times we pray when we come to church. That used to be me. That used to be me. I used to come to church, and I'm coming to church three, four times a week. That's good. Whew, man, that's more than what I did my whole life. That's good. That's good. Well, that's not good. You need to have your own personal relationship with God. God knows you, but he wants you to know him. God's not looking for your capability. He's looking for your availability. He wants you to be available so he can make you capable. Because our own life and our own walk with God, we we know we can look at ourselves and we're like, man, I'm not capable of doing this. I can tell you right now, a year ago, yesterday, I didn't think I was capable to do this. I didn't think I was capable to come up here and not be all sweaty. I know why Pastor Dave walks right here a lot. He walks right here a lot to catch that fan. No joke. You see Pastor Dave walk right here? He's catching that fan. Uh, So that's exactly what Desiree kept doing. She kept catching the fans. You know, so... Um, sorry, I bunny trail a little bit. I apologize. Squirrel, you know, but, um, you know, let's choose the right words. Let's choose the right words we confess over our life. Because if you as a person, you as an individual, if you don't have an abundant life yourself, if you don't have that personal relationship yourself with God, how are you going to be able to witness to others? How are you going to be able to minister to others? How are you going to be able to pray for others if you can't even pray for yourself? How are you going to be able to pray for your son when he comes and says, "Hey, my tummy's a little hurting," if you can't even pray for yourself? So that's probably the number one thing we should do is let's examine ourselves and let's focus on us. And I always use the same uh, the same philosophy that the the airlines use and the uh, the stewardess they say, "Put your mask on first before you help others." Well, it's the same thing. Let's put our spiritual mask on first. Before we can spiritually guide others. You know, it's the same. Let's let's strengthen ourselves before we can give strength. So uh let's read a little bit more in um I know I'm running a little I, I thought I was gonna be like two minutes and I'm done. Sorry guys. So uh let's go to Ecclesiastics. Woo Ecclesiastics. Say that ten times <laughs> And we're gonna look at chapter ten. And we are going to read verse twelve. Wise words bring approval, but fools are destroyed by their own words. So if you if you take Robert's best friend Google and Google words in the how many times the word says in the church, it's probably the word says in the Bible, it's probably a lot. Man, I should have I should have Googled that. How many times words is in the Bible? So word, wise words bring approval, but fools are destroyed by their own rules. Are you destroying your life with your own words? Are you building up your life with words? Are you destroying your, your flesh every day with words? So our third thing I want to uh, touch on is uh, let's choose your words wisely. Let's go to Matthew real quick, and we're going to look at chapter 26, Matthew 26, and we're going to look at verse 36, Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 12, let's look at Matt, because yeah, what I was reading, that wasn't nothing to do with what I was talking about, so Matthew 12, we're going to look at 36, and it says, And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either equit you or condemn you. So let's read that again, because that's deep right there. It says, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every, not just one, not just some bad ones, for every idle word you speak, the words you say will either equit or condemn you. I don't know about you, but on judgment day, I don't want to be like, well, Jesse, I don't know. I'm gonna have to condemn you for not saying your wife's chicken was good. Yeah, you could be condemned for that. Hey, sit down, buddy. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It was really good. It's good chicken. He loves my wife's chicken, but um, that's also a word. Did you tell your wife's chicken that it was salty? Did you tell your wife's chicken that it was undercooked? Did you tell your wife's chicken that it had no flavor? You told mom it didn't taste good. I'm gonna be talking, buddy. I don't, all I know is I, when I go to judgment day, I want to be acquitted for everything I said. I want for, because of the words that I said. I don't want to be condemned. I want to be acquitted. So let's uh let's uh, backtrack a little bit. Let's go to Mark. We're gonna go forward. This should be the next very very next book. Uh I'm sorry. It's gonna be uh Luke. Let's go to the next one after that, Luke. Luke 6, 45. Woo-hoo. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now, in King James Version, it says, out of the abundance the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, when you're walking day by day and something happens your way, the very first response that's, that you give, that's the abundance of your heart. That, that's what's in your heart. If you speak, oh, man, there she goes again, well, that's the abundance. You have some type of unforgiveness in your heart for that person. If you're walking around and, and the first thing, like, oh, man, she's going to go up and give a testimony again, It's gonna be the same ones. Well, that's the abundance of your heart. That's the abundance of your heart. What's in the, what's, what abundance is in your heart? What's in your heart? Is it hatred? Is it love? Is it fear? Is it sorrow? Because as soon as you spit it out, that's what's in your heart. Yeah, we might be able to walk in forgiveness and, and forgive those that, 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 that say the wrong words to us, but, my wife used this analogy earlier. She said, it's like, words are like toothpaste. Once you squeeze those words out, it's hard to get them back in. There's no way you could get the, unless you struggle a little bit, Joja could probably come up with a scientific analogy and how you could get it in there, you know. Actually, anybody that starts off with actually <laughs> must be smart, you know. So uh, once you say those words, it's hard to unsay those words. Once you speak those words, it's hard to unspeak those words. Yeah, you could walk in forgiveness, and that person could say, you know what, I forgive you for what you said, but are they going to really forget? You still said it. You still said it. How many times marriages use the word divorce? Nowadays, the divorce rates are crazy. I think Robert and I was talking about it. You couldn't get divorced back in the day. You have to have, like, some major really, really bad thing happen for you to get divorced, like Commit adultery or or something, you know? I don't know. I don't know, Robert. I learned about that in history class. Where are you at? <laughs> I'm just kidding, brother. But uh, you know, nowadays you can just get divorced if you want. It's like no big thing. It's not a covenant how it was, you know. So yeah, there's forgiveness in people's heart. And there, you can walk in forgiveness. And you know, First John one nine said, if you confess your sins, he is faithful to just forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But Whatever your heart speaks, it's, and whenever, whatever you say, it's hard to unsay it. You know, there's been a lot of times where I'm like, oh man, I really wish I didn't say that. I really wish I didn't say that. I could have probably had a better drive or I could have probably had lobster instead of fish sticks. You know, I could, I really wish I didn't say that. You know, but, Instantly you get convicted. If you know that you're walking in, in, in the godly realm, and you know you hear people cuss, or if you hear a uh, false witness, and you know it grieves your heart, that means something good's happening inside. That means you're getting convicted, and you know that that's not right. You know that when you hear something, it's, well that's not right. You know, like before man, cuss words were, like, man, that was the hardest thing for me to do is stop cussing. You know, I use the word a lot. When I when I was a sinner, you know, but the hardest thing for me to do was a Christian as a Christian was get out of those words because they were like words to me. But now I hear cuss words and you're like, ooh, that's like, oh, oh, no, no, it grieves your spirit and you know it convicts you. So um I want to make sure that. As you guys leave here today, you guys have a few verses to fall back on and know that words words can either kill you or words can make you stronger, you know, but I want you to know that choose your words wisely. So I'm going to close with uh Mark 11. Woo, yes, he's closing. Woo. You know, some pastors and preachers and stuff and we've had a few we've had a few uh guest speakers here. They had like three closes <laughs> or four closes. If you guys ever been to the Holy Spirit conference down in San Diego, they're closing as soon as they start. And that's like three hours later. You're like, I thought we were closing, you know, but it's just so good there. You know, anyways, I've had so many guest speakers here that says, oh, we're closing. But this is my last verse. I promise. Mark 11. And uh, we are going to read verse 23. And I love how the King James Version says it. Uh, in other, other Bibles, there's different versions, but none of them really say it like this. And Desiree touched on it this morning. It says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast away into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he sayeth, shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So, if you should have whatever you say, what words are you going to confess in your life? Are you going to say you have cancer? Are you going to say, hi, my name is Jesse and I'm an addict? Are you going to confess those wrong words? No. Because you should have, you you shall have whatever you say could both work for good And it could both work for bad. So I want to encourage you guys today that let's choose our words wisely. Words are powerful. We all show that it says in the word right here that God created the world with words. We're going to be the ones that destroys the world with words. So which part do you want to take? Do you want to show the one that you're going to build up? Or are you going to want to be the one that's going to ruin or tear down? That's right, brother. Build up. Amen. So, um, like I said, I want to encourage you guys. Um, let's let's make sure we are choosing the right words we say. Let's think about what we're saying before we say it. Let's make sure what we're saying is going to be in line with the Word of God before we say it, or is it going to be in line with what the devil says, or is it going to be in line with what God says? Let's choose our words wisely. All right, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast.